Welcome back to the Bees and Honey podcast. I haven't been here for a while, but I am so happy to welcome today Lawrence B. Benenson. We're going to speak to Mr. Benenson about everything from his charitable work, his work in real estate, his children, um, his work with art. Uh, he's really a multifaceted guy, fascinating guy big heart and um, it took us a long time to get here but I think you will really appreciate all he has to say about uh, the wonderful world we share. Have a great week. Hello. Good morning Lawrence. How are you? (laughs) I'm well. How are you doing? Okay. I am finally, huh? Yes, <laughs> that's exactly what I put. You know, I recorded the introduction to this episode and I said it took us a while to get here, but I'm sure it would be worth it the wait. <laughs> oh, well, thank you very much. So I wanted to ask personal questions. I hope you don't mind. Like, what does the B stand for in Lawrence B. Benenson? It stands for Barry. Barry? Yes. And so what, what, what do some people call people named Lawrence they call him Larry so my name is actually Larry Barry <laughs> god i'm sorry i can i can i wasn't prepared for Barry i mean anything else but... <laughs> all right well now that i got that out of the way i want this to tell us a little bit more about how Larry Barry came about where did you grow up what sort of work did you do as a kid that led you into where you are right now Uh, about your art collection, everything? Well, I I was born in New York City. I I grew up on the streets. The streets were 81st Street and Park Avenue. Not the the type of streets most people think of when they think of the streets, but that's where I grew up. Um, I went to Trinity School for 12 years. Mm -hmm. And... My parents got divorced when I was nine. Mm-hmm. My mother soon after remarried. My father took a lot more time before he remarried. Mm-hmm. And uh, my mother was very adventurous person. And she actually took me to Soho when in the, in the late 70s and early 80s. And I actually mm-hmm. met Andy Warhol with her. Wow. She, want, she wanted to have a portrait done, mm-hmm. and uh, it was $25,000, and my father said, that's, that's too much money. Um, but it was very interesting, because I had just been to the World Trade Center with my aunt, and at the top of the World Trade Center in, like, in 1976, they had a machine where they'd take your picture and then print it immediately on a T-shirt, and before we went to see Mr. Warhol, my mother said, put on that T-shirt. I think Mr. Warhol will find it interesting. And indeed, when we got to the factory, he looked at me and he looked at my shirt. And I remember it very clearly. And he was like, that's a cool shirt. <laughs> um, my father took me to many museums. And uh, I was always fascinated that he knew who had done each of the sculptures and paintings. And it's, and now I am that way. I can walk into 
lots of museums and say, oh, that's that's a blank or that's a blank. Um, yes. But it's interesting. So now we go to my collecting. It's a, a tie-in. I'd rather not have it be that I say, oh, that's a blank, that's a blank. You know, that's a Calder or that's a Matisse or that's a Herring or Basquiat. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because people are getting too hung up on who did the art instead of the artworks themselves. I am much more interested in the artwork. And I think that the artists would rather the observer be interested in the painting or sculpture in front of the observer rather than the backstory of the artist. Yes, yes. The work product is more important than the backstory of the artist. But today, a lot of people are hung up on the backstory and they buy art because of someone's backstory instead of because they connect with the art. And it's good for yeah. the artist and it's good for the yeah. gallery because they get paid. But I think it's, it's not really what the artist would like. The artist would like the art to stand on its own, just like you and I have children. We'd like our children to stand on their own someday. Yes, yes. Well, I mean, I like the way you put it. I mean, the next iteration of that sort of thinking is they buy art because they think the price is going to go up or because the price is like this. I mean, (laughs) and really not uh, what the artist is. Not at all. And, and the, that's exactly right. It's, it's trading, it's investments. It's, it's not, oh, you know, I will uh, really get a lot of pleasure when I pass this on my way to the kitchen. You know, right. you know, it's like, what a beautiful uh, still life. It's yes, like, oh, yes, this is yes. still life. Hey, that's worth a million dollars. I just passed my Cezanne drawing on the way to the kitchen. And it's like, it's not, oh, though, you know, I feel I should eat a, a pomegranate because it looks so great in the drawing. Yes, yes, yes. I mean, I, I like what you said in one um, article about the value of art being a long-term investment in the sense of okay you know i'm gonna have this for the rest of my life these are the number of years left in the rest of my life is this the value that i can put on it right now this dollar value can i afford that for the rest of my life exactly and my wife didn't like it i said if i can if i live 40 more years she said no make it 50 okay okay so if i live 50 more years and you know the art is fifty thousand dollars mm-hmm Am I going to get $1,000 worth of enjoyment, $3 a day for the rest of my life? And it's like, yeah, of course, that's worth more than $3 a day. And, then, and so it's an interesting way of looking at it. Thank you for thinking that. Yeah, I'm going to start thinking of it like that, too, because sometimes I have a question about uh, whether I can afford it or not. Sometimes I can afford it right now, but maybe 10 years later, I can't afford that same value. But I'll explain that another time. Let's move on to the charitarian because, you know, the idea of money and giving and I am on the exact same page with you and philanthropy and how philanthropy works. I say it all the time. So I was so glad that somebody who's involved says it too. Where did the word charitarian come out of? Well, actually, I I wish I had invented it. I think it's about five or six hundred years old. Um, A friend of mine said to me, he gave me the response that I use now. I said, because I said to him, 
what's the difference between philanthropy and charity? And he mm -hmm. said, philanthropy is about the giver. Charity is about the receiver. So immediately, mm -hmm. this was like a lightning bolt in my head. And mm -hmm. I was like, okay, if when someone refers to me in the future, if they choose to, I want mm -hmm. like them to refer to me as a charitarian because I want to be about the receiver. I don't want the you know publicity. I don't need the publicity. I just want to help people directly. And philanthropists yeah. nowadays, you know, oh, such and such philanthropist is a philanthropist. It's a philanthropist. <laughs> it's like, what, what, what does that even mean? You know, charity, charity, people know it's charity. Charity begins at home, which is, means be good to yourself. But then it means be good to other people. And philanthropy is some fancy word that it's, I don't know, it's funny to me. It's been I'm bastardized, listening. yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad there are thousands of philanthropists and I hope they give away a lot of their money to help people directly. Yes, yes. And I mean, the same can be said with art. I won't mention names specifically, but there's one uh, big example of a, a, a real estate tycoon who recently passed away and, you know, his foundation was never available to anybody except his own family and friends, you know, his art foundation, which had really great masterworks in it, uh, which he hardly ever sold. Anyways. You know, there are a lot of, um, a yeah. lot of, uh, as called tax avoidance foundations, uh, yes. where people have a lot of money and it's all create a foundation and I'll let the public come and see it. And, but they can only see it on Tuesdays in you know months that end in the letter r <laughs> and yeah, and yeah. you don't you can never find out the rules and nowadays it's very easy to avoid people because people don't answer the telephone anymore oh my god and there are no there are no telephone answerers i mean you can't even yeah, yeah, if you yeah. hit zero you pick up your phone you hit zero there's no operator even <laughs> Like, it's the matrix people doing I, even the operator of the telephone company is surfing the internet instead <laughs> of doing his or her job you know it's it's very well, frustrating it's super well you know it's it's the matrix we're in the metaverse nobody actually talks to each other we just kind of like avatar around well this is about the metaverse thing i never metaverse have you? But no, I never. I, I, well, I, I got to take it back. I have metaverse. I've read John Milton. I've read Robert Louis Stevenson. You know, E.E. E. Cummings. Right, right, right. Um, you know, M Emily Dickinson. These these are verses that I've liked to meet. That's a metaverse. But well, this metaverse stuff, the metaverse, what about this reality? We're in reality right now. We don't need an augmented reality, a virtual reality. We have reality, and there are a lot of problems in reality. Let's try and take care of some of the real reality problems before we go playing in the virtual reality and make-believe land. That's a very, very, very valid point indeed. I think it's because people want to escape that they're going there. Very good point. Yes, that's why people are fascinated to go to Mars. Maybe it's better on Mars. <laughs> yeah, but you know, it's like traveling. You take your problems with you. Exactly. Wherever you are, yeah. wherever you yeah. go, there you are. Right.
But now that we're onto that topic, you know, I didn't prep you about this, but what's your take on this whole NFT thing? Is that interesting to you at all as a collector? <clears throat> the NFT thing is, it's sort of like, well, it's not, I don't know enough about it to be interested or not, but I know enough about it to have a uh, suspicion that it's sort of like the, what they call tulip-omania in the Netherlands hundreds of years ago, where everyone buys into the fact that, you know, it's a greater fool theory and you're gonna buy all this stuff. Like they have these, these new coins, uh, these new NFTs called Shabashis, which are based, <laughs> based on a dog called the Shiba Inu. You know, and the people, I would bet 95% of the people who own the Shibashi NFTs do not know that it's based on the dog. Well, there's a little dog. They don't know the name of the dog. They don't know where the dog is from. They don't care. They just are <laughs> buying it because their friends are buying it. Yeah, or they yeah, think it's yeah. going to go up in value and they can sell it later. But when yeah. they sell it later on, it's not that they're going to take the money and take a trip to Acapulco. <laughs> they're just going to buy more of these NFTs with their Bitcoin stuff and they're going to stay alone in their house or apartment and just surf the internet <laughs> and just and just inundate themselves with drivel. Oh my God. It's the sad truth. It's the sad truth. Anyways. I'm glad to hear you laugh. Well, I, you know, I have two points of view because I don't think it's going away, but I agree with you. I think after the mania, there will be something left. So let's, let's see what happens when the mania busts. Well, I think there will be something left too. I didn't say, I mean, there's still tulips exist, but right. the, the, the NFTs, the originals will be fine. But I think the, um, the copies that people make to show and share with everybody, they'll be like, you know, you see compact discs in the in the gutters of New York City. Right. And, you know, it's just the stuff that no one cares anymore. Yeah. Uh, who knows? Who knows? I know. Good luck to these people and have yes. a nice time. Um, <laughs> you know, but it, it's 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 sad because instead of having, you know, having sex, people are on the Internet having sex. And yeah. it's yeah. the population is going down. You know, it was the uh, 1.65, you know, ch children mm -hmm. and the 2.1 mm -hmm. is the replacement of mm -hmm. our population per couple. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But people are less interested in having children. You say, well, why are they less interested in having their children? Because people are so uh, all consumed by what people call news that right. they become depressed and say, oh, what kind of world is this? I don't right. want to bring a child into this world. And what they really don't want, they just, just, they don't want to have the responsibility because mm -hmm. it'll take away their time from paying attention to themselves. And even, and you know, having children is a great is a great thing. And you and I are very fortunate to have children. I think we are very fortunate. And I mean, I think it's a little bit more complicated like than that. I think uh, statistics show that we are just not as healthy as we were 50 years ago. Our reproductive systems are under a lot of stress and we, we are not conceiving as much, not only because we're not having sex, but because it's harder for us to conceive as women and uh, less firm count in men. But anyway, let's go back to the kids thing and we'll take a, a segue from the serious topics. Tell us about your kids because I know you have one 
And I know you probably are not going to Art, Art Basel, Miami Beach, because you're getting another one. <laughs> yeah. Well, God willing. Oh, uh, yes. Well, I have willing. a three, a three-year-old, and he goes to preschool now. Mm-hmm. And my wife is very, very pregnant. She's not allowed to leave Manhattan. Mm-hmm. Um, she's doing about a week. And... Uh, very exciting. It's very exciting, especially for the uh, the newborn. Okay. Yes, yes. Blessings for us all. And again, you know, the, like you said, having children is a sign that you actually have faith in the world. You actually are optimistic about the future. Otherwise, we wouldn't have them. When I got married a couple of uh, six, five, six years ago, um, a guy said to me that he admired my optimism. And he was, this, you know, at some weird cocktail party. And mm-hmm. I hadn't thought of it that way. But it's true, exactly what you just said. You have to be optimistic. And you have to be optimistic. Because well, I mean, yeah. the more optimistic you are, the better outlook you have on life. Yeah. And the greater the possibility of creating a positive outlook from that, a positive reality from that outlook. Exactly. So let's go back to your collection. I read that um, one of your favorite pieces is Abraham Lincoln signed Emancipation Proclamation. Um, you know, tell us about all this art that you have that's not even related to the art world per se. Well, it's um, I was very fortunate to be able to purchase this document. It it came about in a special way. My mother had gotten cancer and she had, I don't know, three or four months to live. And at, around that time, I bought at a silent auction, you know, $7,000 worth of historic documents. And, mm-hmm. you know, to be named later, like a letter signed by George Washington or Thomas Jefferson. And the guy kept calling me up, say, hey, come and see these things. I'll, I'll sell them to you. And I was like, no, no, no. Call me in a little while. My mother is very sick. So then my mother, unfortunately, passed away. Um, and I went and saw this guy a couple of months later. And he showed me the Thomas Jefferson letters, George Washington letters. And I said, well, what else you got? What else you got? And he said, well, there's this one thing, but you wouldn't be interested. Like in the old movies, they have this type of reasoning, a salesmanship. And he said, well, I said, well, what is it? He said, well, it's an Emancipation Proclamation signed by Abraham Lincoln. And, mm-hmm. you know, my head exploded because at that moment, it all came together. I had been recently emancipated from my mother. Mm. She, she had been emancipated from her depression and her cancer. Mm. She mm. had emancipated me from taking care mm-hmm. of her. Mm-hmm. And I used the some of the insurance money that I received to buy this document. And buying this mm-hmm. document is a very, um, it was very freeing for me. <laughs> it was freeing for most people. The Emancipation Proclamation is one of the great mm-hmm. documents ever. Mm-hmm. And I have been able to, you know, lend it to many institutions. Mm-hmm. The most important of, well, one of the most important of which, Rikers Island. Mm-hmm. I took the Emancipation Proclamation, which is a copy. It's, mm-hmm. it's from 19, 1864. Mm-hmm. It's January 1st, 1863, 
Mm -hmm. um, it became law. Mr. Lincoln emancipated the slaves. Mm -hmm. In June of 1864, there was a benefit held in Philadelphia to raise money for sick and wounded soldiers of the Civil War. You know, people from Vermont brought pies and some people from Connecticut brought quilts, you know, to sell stuff to raise money. And they made uh, 48 copies of this Emancipation Proclamation, got Lincoln to sign them, and he sold them for $10 each. Mm -hmm. I paid more. But, <laughs> but I was very happy to take it to Rikers Island. Yeah. To, and I stood for, I don't know, three or four hours in this one classroom, and they mm -hmm. sent in different groups of 16 and 17 year old mm -hmm. um, people who are awaiting trial or waiting to see if they were going to be indicted. And they're just kids. And they're fascinated mm -hmm. by this document. They, most mm -hmm. of them wanted to know how much it was worth. But <laughs> a lot of them were just came, you know, I brought it in a frame and they came and they looked at it and, you know, they touched it and everything. And this is what art is supposed to do. It's supposed yeah, to yeah, yeah. touch people. They can yeah. touch it and it must touch them. Yeah, and yeah. bringing the Emancipation Proclamation to Rikers Island is pretty heavy. And uh, it, was a, it was one of the thrills of my life. I collect other historic documents, but mostly mm -hmm. I collect, you know, what I like, as they say. Yes. A lot of people collect stuff, you know, oh, I'm a collector. Oh, yes, what do you collect? I collect watercolors from France, 1890 to 1898. <laughs> and that's fine. But there's so much stuff that's yeah. exciting and beautiful and wonderful. You know, I have, you know, a sign from an old restaurant in Third Avenue called the Blarney Stone. It's this, mm -hmm. you know, six by four foot neon sign. Um, yeah, it's, it's not even neon, it's like pre-neon. And it's, it's in my garage and one day I'll have it on display somehow. You know, I have an old sign from OTB, the off-track betting in New York City. Yeah, but, so yes. I, I accumulate stuff. I don't really, I'm not really a collector. A collector is somebody who searches for stuff and has, you know, a precious collection, which is awesome. And I have great respect for people right. who do that. I for whatever reason, I'm more of an accumulator of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's an interesting point because I just saw this movie called Minimalist or Minimalism. I guess you wouldn't, <laughs> you wouldn't be in the category of minimalism. No, I, I told someone a couple of days ago that I'm a maximalist. You're a maximalist, exactly. Well, now that we're on to maximalist, I want to ask a very, for me, an important question because one of the major roadblocks for me showing artists in general is how much it costs to show artists in New York City. You know, with this pandemic, we had so many um, storefronts available and many more becoming available. What role do you think uh, the whole real estate tycoon scene can do to help people to have affordable pop-ups, temporary gallery spaces, or studio spaces for artists like how Chishama does with the Durst Foundation? I think that these landlords who have um, empty storefronts have to get over themselves. Hello, hello, just, hey, here's, here's some nice person that, you know, they have all the insurance I could want. Mm -hmm. And then I can say, hey, okay, you want to put some art in here and you want to light it 
and pay for the electricity, you know, mm -hmm. I'll, you know, I'll give you a set of keys and I guess you have your insurance. So have a mm -hmm. good time. And mm -hmm. it beautifies the store. I have mm -hmm. direct experience with the, um, with this and the frustration and the just uh, disbelief. A friend of mine who's an artist, he's my pen pal. He lives mm -hmm. in Soho. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> he has mixed sculptures and paintings. And he said to me one day, hey, you know, there's an empty storefront in front of my building. And, you know, I really need the studio space. These sculptures are crowding me out. Of, <laughs> I make too many of these sculptures. How about I put these sculptures in this storefront? Do you know these people? I said, I looked it up, the address, yes. I know the managing agent, great. And the guy's a friend of mine, I'm partners okay. with him. Okay. I call him up, he's an art-minded person. I say, hey, I have this artist, he lives across the street from such and such address. He wants to put his sculptures in the storefront. What do you think? Oh, I think it's a good idea. I'll call the broker. So we don't know if we ever even got to the, the owner of the building because the broker uh -huh. did the broker didn't call him back. Yes, and he's yes. the manage he's the management agent of the building. It's like what is with these well, rotten, someone said it's people. again about the tax write-off. Somebody said they make more money keeping it empty than uh, using it for anything else. How much money is enough, Nicolette? I don't know. <laughs> How much money is enough? Never enough. Why, what is with these people with all this money and they don't want to make the world a better place? That's they just craziness. want to have more and more. They want to go through all the hassle. You know, uh, you know I'm too busy. I'm, I'm looking at the internet. I have to, or I'll, you know, I'm playing tennis. <laughs> you know, what am I doing? I don't even know what I'm doing, but I'm not going <laughs> to lend it to some artist. Right. Wait, well, I'll have tell I you. heard of the artist? Has mm -hmm. anyone heard of the artist? No? Screw them. Yeah, but, you know, this is why I, there was a really terrible, stupid uh, New York Post article about A.B. Rosen. And I must say, I, he helped me out once and he helped a young African-American artist out. Uh, his name is Ark Minoro Niles. Ark Minoro is doing so well right now in the art world. And the first exhibition he did in New York was in an empty storefront on Fifth Avenue and 14th Street that A.B. gave us. Just like you said, we had the insurance. We did our own um opening our own costs and he gave us the space for like a week or two and now Ark Minoru is in every museum and in everything so there are some people who help but not everyone yes there are some people who help but there are a lot more people who don't help and the yeah. people who do help got mm -hmm. to get on the case of the people who don't help and not let them get away with it and say, so, oh well you know this is a very fragile time in human history yeah, you know, it could yeah. go either way. You know, <laughs> we're very fortunate that the uh, it went in a better direction after the last election, uh, right. after the last presidential election, because we could have wound up with. Uh, um, there was a movie called <laughs> *Idiocracy*, came out in two thousand six, which was very, um, very prescient. And you know, there there are people throughout history who have because history repeats itself right. so the 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 greed and the lust for whatever it is of people still exists and we you know there's a lot that's going really really well and people are waking up 
and if to hey you know the planet this is our only planet yes we can think about the moon and mars but we better try and do something here because it's not doing that well here and well, you know you talk about the low sperm counts and you know mm-hmm. infertility mm-hmm. so many chemicals the chemicals yeah, yeah and the yeah. people who used to work in in food processing there would mm-hmm. be some executive who would say mm-hmm. no we can't put that that's no i wouldn't feed my children that stuff that's not going to go in but now right. everyone's afraid of everyone else and everyone's you know looking at their device instead of paying attention to the actually what's going on into the drinking water and into mm-hmm. the preservatives in our food mm-hmm. and it's mm-hmm. like okay well i'm not i wouldn't i'm not going to eat that the chicken from that producer even though i work for him because i know what the, those chickens go through right right it's like what about the, don't you care about your fellow human beings the and they and your fellow animals yeah yeah and then you know what you said about the pandemic that only first responders and art can save us i mean at the end of the day you know if we don't have that sort of emotional connection to each other emotional connection to the work we're producing with our hands food art whatever how are we going to do how are we going to move forward as a people Anyway, let me see. I had one more question about the film producer work that you've done. Have you are you doing anything else with that right now? Tell us about the film you did a while back. Well, which one? No, I'm not a very well, uh, There was which, there was I'm one not, with the, the female artist uh Yes, Eva Hesse. Eva Hesse. Yeah. I I'm Eva not Hesse. a very uh big time producer. So there was a funny joke I said, which one? Um, oh. Eva Hesse. Eva Hesse, that came about because a, a guy I know said, hey, there are these two people who happen to be women making a movie about Eva Hesse. And I had heard of Eva Hesse because I had, and I knew that she was a you know, Hall of Fame artist, mm-hmm. even though she had a short career, sort of like Sandy Koufax. Yeah. She was a major league Hall of Famer. These people had short careers, but they were brilliant. And Eva Hesse was, you know, you go to any art school in America right now, in Europe too, right now while we're on this podcast, and you ask the women artists, maybe some of the men artists, who give me your top 10 artists, every one of them put Eva Hesse in the yeah. top 10. And mm-hmm. why? Because she went for it. You know, she built stuff that came out of her mind she thought about stuff she used (laughs) unusual materials in different ways Mm -hmm. and she was a pioneer so I was very happy to be involved in the making of this film what have Mm -hmm. I done lately I actually had a film that I was a producer on on CNN a week ago it's called the hunt for planet Mm -hmm. b okay not for planet B's and hunting, but the hunt for planet B, which is yeah. a hunt for another planet in the universe that you know we can habitate or, or know about or, or think mm-hmm. about. And mm-hmm. it focused on women scientists and astrophysicists who are in the uh, forefront of studying this stuff. And it's a very, a very, um, inspirational film because it makes you think about the fact that you know our planet is our home and we have to you know charity i'm going to go back to the beginning charity begins at home this is our home and we better be good to our home 
Yes, yes. That note, is there anything uh, that I didn't ask you that you might want to address? I don't know if you have some plans in the future around art or real estate or anything that you might want to add? Um, I, I am thinking about this new life, God willing, from yeah. that's going to come from my wife. And mm-hmm. what's gonna, uh, it's like saying having the second child is a quantum leap from the first child. So yes. I'm, that's really what I'm focused on. I'm focused on every day, you know, it's the end of the year and a lot of uh, charities make appeals to you saying, hey, send us some money. So I'm sending out uh, lots of money. I hope to try and make the world a better place for my children and everyone else's children because we're all in this one community together you know is say it's like it's everything is hyper local you talk about the hyper local weather okay the weather in new york city is different than the weather in kansas but hyper local is what is going on with today because the internet you can be in india you can be in argentina you can yeah. be yeah. everywhere yeah. Yeah. at the click of six buttons. Right. So right. we're all much more connected, mm-hmm. but we're all much more estranged because we don't understand that to actually be connected, you must go out and talk with people and <laughs> intermingle with people, but yeah. please wear a mask. Right. Or at least, you know, keep an arm's length distance or whatever else uh, they like to say about stuff like that. Exactly. Yeah, you know, um, this collector from um, Belgium and his partner, Eva, they, they have the same concept that you have about us going back to our local communities and our local galleries. And just uh, instead of all this running here, running there, Basel, Switzerland, blah, 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 just start in your local neighborhood. So, yeah. The people, the people are very interesting. People, you know, you say, oh, I don't like that person. But you never even met the person. But if you know, if you go and meet the person, you're probably going to like them. Because yeah. there's a human being and there's the human contact and you have something in common. Not yeah. everyone is all bad. Not everyone yeah. is all good. Right. You know, there's good and bad in everyone. Just like Stevie Wonder and Paul McCartney sung about. Yes, yes, yes. Oh, all right. Well, let's go back to our wonderful uh, weekend. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us and sharing your wonderful points of views. I wish you all the best with your coming uh, expanded family and uh, for the new year. Thank you, Nicolette. You're welcome. And thank you. Um, Good luck with your wonderful (laughs) child whose middle name is Love. That's what I'll just call him, Love. Yes. And... Love is all you need. Absolutely. I send you a big kiss. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. You too. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. Thank you for joining us. I hope you enjoyed this episode and look forward to seeing you here again when we have a super interesting guest, as interesting as Mr. Benenson is. And uh, also check out my YouTube channel, Nicolette Ramirez, Bees and Honey. There are other live episodes there, uh, recorded episodes uh, where you actually see me interacting with artists. 
Uh, I hope to see you there as well. Have a great week.